Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, you may have read excerpts from the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Report. That's the IPCC report. <laughs> Candidly, I didn't read the whole thing. I couldn't even get through the summary. It's indecipherable. There's more footnotes than actual text. It's just not really good. But it's probably a good thing that the report's so indecipherable because there's no good news in the entire report that I could find. It's pretty depressing. After 20 years of climate change activism, yeah, for some people even longer, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth, many, many IPCC reports, wildfires, floods, energy wars, the economic interests from fossil fuels continue to overwhelm the necessary action that humanity needs to take to resolve this problem. Now, the best solution to climate change, it's really clear because it's the cause of climate change, is eliminating fossil fuels. But this option, this requirement, is fought tooth and claw by fossil fuel companies and their entire value chain. So the world's not reducing fossil fuel usage significantly. It's kind of flat in some cases. It's going up. Atmospheric CO2 levels are still going up. I looked at the levels on top of Mauna Loa in Hawaii. We hit 421 parts per million in early April. So that's a record. I'm not saying we should give up because we know what the necessary solutions are to solve this climate change problem, to get global warming down below where we need it, where the sea levels aren't going to rise and dramatically affect humanity. We know what the solutions are. From research in a book like Project Drawdown, explains it pretty clearly, to blizzards of scientific reports going on for 20 or more years, to simulations that you can do yourself with the simulation tools, internet, super easy, browser-based simulation tools like En-ROADS. You know, just to kind of put it in a nutshell, the most practical and effective ways to keep global warming under 2 degrees C, I'm not even staying 1.5 degrees C, I'm, I'm, I'm at 2, I'm happy to get to 2. The most practical ways are, first, a high price on carbon. Second, we have to electrify everything. And by electrifying things, we're reducing the customer effects from high carbon price. Carbon price is too expensive. Let's use clean electricity. And that electricity can be provided by clean renewable power. Number three, put high subsidies in place for renewables. That's just going to mean that we're going to get more renewables faster. That's really what we need. More wind, more solar. And uh, candidly, I, I'm not in favor of this, but high subsidies for nuclear, because that's also going to help develop new affordable nuclear plants. And boy, I thought I would be one of the last people to say this, but also get those deployed. The problem with the nuclear is we're 20 years away from starting to deploy them quickly because the technology is still established, but the development of these nuclear plants, at least here in the U.S., it takes 20 plus years. But maybe subsidies are going to help. And then the fifth thing is reduce methane emissions. And you know we focus so much on CO2, but airborne methane, methane is natural gas. One carbon molecule, one carbon atom, four hydrogen atoms. Methane is 800 times worse than CO2. And there's a tremendous amount of methane that leaks out in the process of getting methane, natural gas, from wells, in the process of transporting that methane in pipelines, and in the process of drilling for oil. There's just a tremendous amount that leaks out. I mean, they used to just burn it. <laughs> You'd see these flares coming up from oil wells. It's probably better than letting the methane get out because when you're burning it, it turns into CO2 
and that's 800 times better than the methane that would ordinarily be released. Okay, so this IPCC report specifies five actions that humanity needs to take, that the globe needs to take, to keep global warming under 1.5 degrees C. And you know, I'm just kind of going to go through them. They're similar to what I had early mentioned, but a little bit more specificity. Number one, stop using fossil fuels. They say that emissions must peak by 2025. Let's see, that's like less than three years from now. What are they smoking? You know, just put up a stop sign, put out your hand and say, stop using fossil fuels. That's not going to work, but we need to do it. We need to reduce emissions by 43% by 2030. That's less than seven years from now. We're not on the path to do that. We need to stop building coal plants. China, India, and other places in the developing world, they're still building them. Countries are, are mining coal like there's no tomorrow because there's so much demand. So that's not going to just magically stop. And switch aggressively to renewables. And this is the only kind of bright spot in the whole plan. We are moving ahead quickly with renewables for the fundamental reason that finally, in many cases, they're cheaper than fossil fuels in terms of generating power, electricity. But we're not switching aggressively fast enough, and there's still an enormous amount of pushback on renewables. And it's mostly coming from the fossil fuel industry once again. So the problem is the world's not going to stop using fossil fuels fast enough. It's just not going to happen. And the reason for that is the fossil fuel companies are just way too influential. They're taking every trick in the book to discourage companies, people, society from using less fossil fuels to sidetrack other options such as renewables, even to sidetrack nuclear. So that's the problem. But anyway, all right, so number two in the report as far as a way to keep global warming under 1.5 degrees C, find a way to remove CO2 from the atmosphere. Great idea. There's too much CO2 in the atmosphere, 421 parts per million. Let's find a way to take that out. Well, there's ways to take it out. Direct CO2 removal from the air is technically feasible, but incredibly far from being economical and practical. Direct air capture takes a tremendous amount of energy and, and time to take that CO2 out. Why? Because the CO2 got there because we burned fossil fuels. And now we have to basically put the same amount of energy in or even more to unburn them and capture the carbon. A lot of energy means we're going to need... We're obviously not going to put fossil fuel plants to remove the CO2. That would be like moronic. So we're going to need renewable power to find a way to power those CO2 removal machines, that direct CO2 removal equipment. We don't have the land for all the solar panels and wind turbines that's going to be required. We just don't have it. It's a tremendous amount of space that we need. So it's better to use the energy that we would use for direct CO2 removal to create green hydrogen. I mean, just electrolyze water, then you're not going to have any problems. Yes, there's still CO2 going to be there, but that's going to go away if we stop using fossil fuels. You know, part of the whole concept of direct CO2 removal is, okay, we're going to remove the CO2 from the air. Where are we going to put it? Well, pumping that CO2 underground is not permanent. I don't care what anybody says. It's going to bubble out. Using CO2 in an industrial process, such as, well, I don't know, heck, bubbles in your soda pop in soda. Lots of uses, industrial uses for CO2. They all end up back in the atmosphere. So if we remove that CO2 and use it in a process that's going to emit that CO2 again, we just wasted our time. So direct CO2 removal, 
too expensive, too time-consuming. Great. It looks like it technically can work, but it's not going to happen. The other option that the IPCC report recommended was more trees. Well, that certainly makes sense. Um, There's efforts to put a billion or a trillion trees. I forgot how many zeros are on there. But planting enough trees is going to take way too much time, 50 years or more, before those trees get big enough to start removing the CO2 at the speed at which we need to remove it. We don't have that time. And the second thing is, there's fewer trees because we've chopped down those trees for farming and for places for people to live. Putting all those trees back takes too much land. We just don't have the land. We're not going to suddenly say to people who are chopping down the trees so that they can put in a farm to feed themselves, to put the trees back and go hungry. That's not going to happen. And you know, from a global level, as the sea level rises, we have even less land. So planting more trees... Great idea. Plant a tree in your backyard. That's great. But as far as planting trees to remove CO2 at the rate we need to remove it, non-starter. Okay. Number three, curb the demand of energy. Once again, great idea. They specifically suggest that the world goes on a low-carbon diet. Now, I read that first and I'm like, oh, that means not use as much carbon to make our food. Stop eating coal. Eat less coal. We're not eating coal anyway, but it's a low carbon diet. That means basically things like, you know, meat is very carbon intensive. So, you know, more vegetables, less meat. Reducing food waste. Because we waste a lot of food. I'll get down to why we waste food in a minute. Rethinking the design of cities. Finding ways to build our cities so that they don't use as much energy inherently. Shifting people to less carbon-intensive transportation. I rode my bicycle to work today. Great. Not as much carbon intensity as, as if I would have driven my old gas car, but, you know, alternative is I would have driven my electric car, so no change there. So the bottom line, as far as curbing demand of energy, this is the bottom line. People want a better lifestyle, which requires more energy. People don't want to walk to work. They want to drive to work because it's faster and more efficient. And that's just the way it is. All right. It's hard to convince people to have a crappier lifestyle. Oh, you know, we're going to save a lot of energy if you kind of go back to walking to work and living on a farm or something. It's just not going to work. All right. Suggestion number four from the IPCC report. Spend more money on clean energy solutions and less on fossil fuels. That's a great idea. And they recognize the economic damage from climate change. They're looking at this in the report from the perspective of if you stop burning fossil fuels, there will be economic benefits in the globe. And this is a quote from Professor Michael Grubb. He was one of the co-ordering lead authors of the report. His quote was, if you take the most aggressive scenarios in the entire report, aggressive scenarios to reduce global warming, it would cost at most 0.1% of the rate of annual GDP growth that's assumed in the report. So tiny bit of GDP report, aggressively stop, and then that's going to be good. Because the damages that fossil fuels are creating, health damages, the fact that the sea levels are rising, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that's going to be resolved and the investment you would have made in clean energy would have been paid back much more quickly. All right. So it's the correct assessment, but we're back to eliminating fossil fuels, which the fossil fuel companies will not allow. And the fossil fuel companies effectively lobby against government policies that are going to restrict their incomes. Okay, a suggestion number five in the report, tell rich people to use less energy. Okay, well, that makes a little bit of sense. The logic here is that rich people use the most energy. 
But the problem is cause and effect. Emissions are tied to economic growth and income. People want to be rich. They have a nicer lifestyle. As part of that, they use more energy. Wouldn't you rather fly in a private jet when you have to go visit your family across the country than take a bus? Of course you would, but you're going to use 10,000 times more energy. So in order to make this work, in order for rich people to use less energy, we have to find ways to make the clean energy cheaper than fossil fuels. That we have to find a way to make a jet that can fly on electricity instead of aviation fuel. Basically, that's making the clean energy cheaper than fossil fuels. Okay. So that's what was described in the report. And after digesting these IPCC recommendations and almost throwing up, I realized that they're being way too optimistic and impractical based on our progress so far. And based on the organized and well-funded fossil fuel industry that's still there, we're looking at oil prices of over $100. They got plenty of money. I think we're going to implement, at best, half of the measures that are described that we really need to get to to stay at under one and a half degrees C. So I think the temperature rises, and I kind of filled around with these numbers using the En-ROAD simulator. Temperature rises are going to be more like two and a half to three degrees C by 2100, under the best of circumstances. We're not going to hit 1.5. It's it's kind of, at this point, a goal that was a threshold for disaster, and, and we're either going to have to deal with the disaster or change the threshold so people start paying attention because we're not going to hit 1.5. If we say three, maybe <laughs> we're going to fix the problem at the same rate, but it's going to be more credible. All right, so here's the one bit of good news. People will do what's most economically beneficial to them. When the cheapest energy is clean energy, then we're going to be using clean energy. And then we're going to reduce global warming. That's what happens when you have a lot of wind, a lot of solar, a lot of hydro, a lot of renewable sources, even a lot of nuclear. Because these sources, nuclear is more expensive, but it's just helpful. These sources of energy are cheaper for everything, everything. But certain industrial processes and process heating, like making cement or steel, and long-distance transportation. Renewables are cheaper. We haven't figured out a way of cost-effectively to make these industrial processes, steel-making cement with electricity, and you know, not quite there as far as getting long-distance transportation, working with batteries and electricity. But we're getting there. So focusing on cheaper clean energy and ways to store this energy are the best way to reduce global warming. I'm probably preaching to the choir, but those are solutions. So kind of looking at this IPCC report, it's depressing to me, but I have five realistic recommendations that you personally can implement. The reason why this report's depressing is like, what the heck can we do, right? We've been trying to convince the fossil fuel industry to use less of their product for 20 or 30 years, and that's not going to happen. But there's some things that you can do, that we all can do, that are going to be the most effective globally when it's adopted from a widespread basis. All of these suggestions that I'm going to make, these are my recommendations, are practical and are going to have a directly positive impact on your quality of life. Okay, so here they are in no particular order. Make your home and your business carbon negative with electrification, solar, and batteries. You can do this. You'll save money and you'll have a healthier and more comfortable home. And it's the best way for you to get back at those greedy utilities, give them the finger, cut off from the grid, have a negative electric bill. You can do it. All right. Suggestion number two, buy renewable energy and electrification stocks for you and your children. 
Now, in general, because this is one of the biggest growing industries, these stocks are going to go up. These are going to be long-term winners. And sell your fossil fuel company stocks for moral reasons, even though (laughs) there's some arguments to be made that over the short and even medium terms, these fossil fuel stocks are going to do okay. Look at what happened to uh, the oil companies. It, It skyrocketed when the war in Ukraine began. So you can make money on renewables and you can feel better by getting rid of those fossil fuel stocks. Okay, suggestion number three. Do not support climate change denying politicians in any way. And the same goes for politicians who support the fossil fuel industry and the whole fossil fuel infrastructure and vote against clean energy policies such as a carbon tax. Don't support them. Okay, suggestion number four. Do not get a 30-year mortgage on coastal property. If you like the beach, just buy a block inland or rent because that sea level, I mean, if it goes up two feet, that's not two feet from the coast. That means that that coast may move 100 feet inland. And then my last suggestion, eat less meat and consume more locally grown fruits and vegetables. Now, if everybody starts doing this, it's great. Everybody's not going to do it. I'm not sure how much impact this is going to have on global warming. It will have a good impact, but it's not going to solve the problem like a carbon tax. But a good diet is going to help you live long enough to see that Al Gore was right about the inconvenient truth. Okay, that's all the time I have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.